You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Jill said as she was uh, leading this, uh, this month, we're talking about new. <clears throat> I alluded to it earlier. Um, never really just chose that as a topic in New Year's, but I think it is appropriate because people get focused, as we've been saying, as we started these messages each week, they get focused on trying to get away from the, uh, the old negative jump from the past year that maybe uh, they hope they won't face this year. They make new resolutions, have new goals, and, uh, and things like that in mind. But the reason we're talking about new is that the Bible, from a lot of different topics, deals with this theme of new. Um, what we have been talking about in this series so far, we started out talking about a new song, and uh, he's given us a, a new song to sing. Uh, we can, you can see the topics are going to bring up on the, the screen where we've uh, been at uh, so far, a new song. Uh, we talked last week about a, a new life. Uh, today we're talking about new mercy. Next week, a new commandment. They're going to finish up talking about all things new. Uh, on this new mercy, uh, you may be wondering, why do, we, why do we need it? I mean, if we've got a new song to sing... Why do we need new mercy? Well, you know, you and I are still human. And uh, you and I still have failures in our lives and have mistakes in our lives and wrong choices in our lives. So even though we've got a a new song to sing and even though we have a a new life, we'll discover that we need new mercy in our lives. Not just because of our own choices, but we need new mercy in spite of the fact that we can sing this new song about what God's done for us through Christ and in spite of the fact that he's given us a new life in Christ, we'll need new mercy, not just because of our own choices, but because of external things sometimes. You know, the, the things that other people thrust upon us, the situations that we face in, in life. <clears throat> Jeremiah knew what it was like to feel like that. Jeremiah in the Bible was even referred to a, a, a lot of times, or we call him the, the weeping prophet, but a lot of times you just see him crying out in the Bible. Uh, he wrote, of course, the, the book of Jeremiah, but God also used him to write a book that we call Lamentations. And Lamentations, for the most part, is like a collection of funeral dirges or like funeral poems, you know, so even... even by that definition, that kind of sounds a little bit depressed and a little bit discouraging. But he faced a lot of difficulty in his life. He was trying to serve God as God's prophet. He was trying to proclaim what God told him to proclaim. The people had continually given a deaf ear to him. The people had come to him at one time asking for his blessing. They, they said, well, Jeremiah, we want you to go and pray. And whatever God tells you, that's what we're going to do. And that what they were concerned about, they were concerned that the king of Babylon was going to come in and overrun them. Well, they said, Jeremiah, pray and tell us what we're supposed to do. They were wanting to run into Egypt. And they were saying, Jeremiah, you pray, and whatever God tells us to do, that's what we'll do. But while he was praying, they had already packed their bags to go to Egypt. And then Jeremiah comes and gives them the message that God says, you need to stay right here because I'm the one that can take care of you, not Egypt. But they rejected that message. So God said, all right, the thing that you fear is going to happen. And he sent the king of Babylon and his armies in to attack the city. Jeremiah, in the first two chapters of the book of Lamentations, he's kind of lamenting over what's happening to his country, what's happening to his city. And probably in this day and time, all of us have some authentic concerns about our own nation, our, our own country, our, our own cities, our own communities, because of the economic situation or the political situation or, you know, the, just the, the moral decay and things like that in our culture, we've got a lot of reasons to be concerned for our country too. But then as you come into chapter 3, 
In chapter 3, Jeremiah begins to lament over his own personal pain. He begins to cry out over what he was facing and how he felt in his own life. And while we don't have time to, to go into this in detail, this weeping prophet that had faithfully served God for 40 years, and yet the people continued to reject what he said. And, and even after his word is proven true because of what happens, they're still not listening. In fact, they're even making fun of Jeremiah, even after he proved he knew what he was talking about, that he had really told them what God had said. And that was happening, and they're making fun of him. You can read this later or look through it because we don't have time to go in detail. But I just want you to get a picture before we jump into the message how Jeremiah felt. Because some of you may feel similar. Verse 4, he more or less said, I feel like I'm old and worn out and broken. Verse 5 and 7, he said, I feel like I'm confined and hemmed in and chained. Kind of by his situations. Verse 8 and on down to verse 44, he he, he said that he felt like God was silent and not listening to him. You ever feel like that in your own life? Verse 9, he said he felt like his life was experiencing some kind of blockade. Also in verse 9, he felt like his path was difficult and crooked. Verse 10 and 11, he, he refers to God like a bear and a lion that had kind of attacked him and mangled him. Verse 12 and 13, he, he's viewing God like God is an enemy archer shooting arrows into his body. Verse number 14, his emotional pain is increased by his own people making a laughing stock out of him. And to kind of help you see more about how he was feeling, look what Jeremiah says here. Verse 15 through 18, Jeremiah says this, He has filled me with bitterness, referring to God. He has sated me with wormwood, which you'll see later is kind of like a type of poison. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. I mean, have you ever been there? Have you ever been facing such circumstances in your life <coughs> that you just feel down and beaten down and discouraged and maybe feel like you're chewing on gravel? That's more or less what he says. He says, he's feel like I'm, I'm depressed and in, in ashes. He, he said, I can't really find any peace. He even said, I, I've forgotten even what happiness is like. He said, my endurance seems like it's gone. So is my hope from the Lord. Some of you may feel similar today. Because we are human, but because sometimes of our own choices, we get in a bad way. Or because of circumstances beyond our control, things that other people are doing, just like Jeremiah being made fun of and rejected by his own people. Or his city being overran by, by the Babylonian Empire, and he's, his city's burning, and people are fleeing from the city, and everything is he's, is he's writing this stuff. So you may have felt like that sometimes. But I want you to notice something. Even though Jeremiah is being brutally honest about his situation, his circumstances, and he's letting us know how he feels. I mean, all through those verses, if you'll take time and read it in detail, I mean, you get a just a, almost a, you know, a horrifying picture of, of what was going on in Jeremiah's heart. Kind of lets you know why he's called a weeper prophet, why he is crying out, why God told him to write this book of Lamentations. It's like a collection of, of funeral poems. But I want you to notice something. Even though he's in those types of circumstances, right in the middle of him voicing how he was feeling, I want you to notice what he writes. Because this is what we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about. Beginning in verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. 
My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. So that's still the negative stuff he's talking about. But I want you to notice what he says now. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. He just said, I don't have hope a minute ago. He just said, I feel like I'm chewing on gravel. I don't even know what it is to be happy anymore. He was just saying all those things, and now he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. One of the greatest statements of faith you can find anywhere in the Bible because you've got this depressed, weeping prophet who is just thrown out very honestly exactly how he felt in his life and how depressed he felt in his life, like he was sitting in ashes, bowed down. And right in the middle of all those negative things, he stops and he remembers God. And he remembers how faithful God is. And he remembers the mercy of God and the love of God. And he says, in spite of everything I'm going through, I'm going to have hope. So this morning, as we talk about new mercy, and how you and I need new mercy from time to time, how we get like Jeremiah from time to time, I want you to look at at a couple of steps, main steps we need to take in order, in order to find new mercy. Here's step number one. Number one, this might sound oversimplified, but I'm afraid some people stumble at this one before they even get started on the path to find mercy. You need to realize you need mercy. You have to understand that you need it before you're going to seek after it. Look what he said again in verse 19 through 20. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. He had just given us a long list in this chapter of how he was feeling. And now he kind of rehearses it again right there. And he, he said, I'm, I'm remembering my affliction and my wanderings. And, and, the, and that kind of like just poison in me, this wormwood and the gall. And my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. You see, the first step... And finding the new mercy that you need for the situation that you're in in your life on a daily basis is, first of all, just be honest and transparent enough to admit to yourself that you actually need it. That you actually need mercy. You have to be honest enough about your situation to admit what you're facing. He said, I remember my affliction and my wanderings. The, the word for remember means to mark so it can be recognized. Uh, that's the, the way the word that he uses here in the Hebrew is, is used. It, it's even used to refer to, to a male. So you, you might could say this without me trying to be, be coy or improper, but that's exactly what the word means. It, it's as though as distinctive as there is something that marks a male being different from a female, he, he's saying that's how distinctive it is in my mind that I'm facing this stuff. That's how clear it is marked in my mind that I am, am facing affliction in my life and wanderings in my life. It's not like it's something he doesn't know is taking place. He's saying, I know it is clear as I'm a male. I know it is clear as the distinction that makes the difference between a man and a woman. Clearly marked. He's saying, that's how clear it is in my mind what I'm going through. Jeremiah is saying that's how clear it is in my mind that I am facing affliction. The word for affliction just basically means depression and misery. He said I'm depressed. I'm, I'm going through a lot of personal pain in my life. The word wanderings means, uh, has a sense of maltreatment or being an, an outcast. And it means to kind of just, the root word means to kind of tramp around or ramble. And, and here's what he's saying by that. Jeremiah is saying because my people have treated me like an outcast, because they've rejected me and they've not listened to what God told me to tell them, he, he said, I just feel like I'm out wandering around. And he said, you too in your life, you might feel like that. There's, there's an enemy that wants to attack us. There's an enemy that, that wants us to have affliction in our lives and to be discouraged and to be depressed 
and to feel like we've been rejected and outcast. And he wants us to remember that, but that's all he wants us to remember. He wants us to remember our circumstances. And while that seems very negative, the positive side of it is this. You have to be honest about where you are to start inviting God or seeking God and asking God to change it. That might sound elementary, but do you realize how, how, how necessary that is? You see, if, if I want to admit that I'm depressed, how can I seek help for it? If I want to admit that I feel like I'm afflicted, I feel like I'm chewing on gravel, if I'm going to dilute myself into thinking everything's a cakewalk and I'm just perfectly fine, then I'm not going to be in a position to where I'm ready and willing for God to help me. So to start with, you have to be, you have to be honest. If you really want to find new mercy, you have to be honest to begin with about your situation, your circumstances. Secondly, you need to be honest about your emotions. How you're feeling. He said he remembered his affliction and his wondering. And then he says the, the wormwood and the gall. I told you a moment ago that's more or less like some, some biblical words for you know, poison and bitterness. It is more or less what's taking place. The word for wormwood means to curse. It was regarded as poisonous. And you know, someone talking about wormwood like Jeremiah is here. It's like he said, I, I feel bitter. I feel like almost I'm, I've been cursed or I'm a cursed. And uh, hemlock is a poisonous plant, you know, like I, I've been poisoned. And, and, he, and he said, you know, the gall, it also refers to kind of like a poisonous plant or a, a poppy, even the poison of a snake or a serpent, uh, the effect of which could, could cause rot in the stomach, thus gall. You know, if you've got something poisonous in your system, something poisonous in your stomach, that's eventually going to kind of make you want to, you know, throw it up. You're going to have this gall taking place in there. That's the way Jeremiah is saying that he feels. And a lot of times we feel like that because of our circumstances. I mean, that's what Jeremiah is saying. He had not been poisoned literally. He had not been bitten by a snake or anything like that. He's saying, this is how I feel because of my circumstances. This is how I feel because of what's taking place in my life. I'm just being honest about my emotions. And that my emotions are like I'm, I'm feeling bitterness. I feel like someone's poisoned me. I feel like I've got all this negative stuff in my life. And if we're really going to seek help from God and try and get help with with depression in our life and discouragement in our life, we need to be honest about our emotions. But you also need to be honest about your depression. First step into trying to find some new mercy to help with the circumstances that you're facing in your life is to be honest about your circumstances, be honest about your emotion, be honest about your depression. Look what Jeremiah said there in verse 20. My soul continually remembers it and it's bowed down within me the word for remembers is the same word we saw a moment ago just as clearly and distinctive in his mind as that which makes the marked difference between a male and a female he said that's how clearly i understand that i'm depressed that my soul is bowed down. My soul's continually, all the times, what he's saying, it's before me. It's right in my face. I, I'm bowed down. It's the idea of you know looking down or, or being browbeat almost or depressed. And, and of course, the word down literally means to sink. It just gives us a, a full picture of kind of depression. And while we don't like to admit sometimes when we're depressed, if, if I'm wanting to take steps toward finding some mercy to get me beyond the depression, beyond the circumstances, beyond my emotions. I have to be honest enough to admit it's there. Do you understand why that's a first step? If you've ever been depressed, you understand what he's talking about. Because it stays right there, doesn't it? It's right in front of you. Whatever the circumstances are that's making you depressed, you go to bed with it and you wake up with it. You might wake up during the night with it. And it's there in front of your face day in and day out. That's what Jeremiah is saying he's feeling. He's feeling it because his country and his city is being destroyed by an enemy. He, he's feeling it in his own life because he's been rejected by his own people. 
And they've not listened to him for 40 years as he faithfully proclaimed God's word. His circumstances might be different than our circumstances, but still, he's being very honest with how he feels. And and that's the first step for you and I to really find new mercy in our lives. And that's for us to be honest about how we feel. To be honest with you, we've got two choices. When we're depressed, when we're facing circumstances like this, we've got two choices. Choice number one is that we just sit and we just keep thinking about the things that make us depressed. That's one choice that people choose. They just keep looking and thinking about the junk, the negative junk in their lives, whatever it is that's making them depressed, the bad circumstances, maybe their own choices, maybe the way other people treated them, whatever it is that's making them depressed. But you've got that choice, and many people just choose that. I'm going to sit, and I'm going to be bitter, and I'm going to think about what's making me depressed. Or, or, our second choice is we can do what Jeremiah does. We can decide to look from our circumstances and look to God. We can decide to quit dwelling upon the situation that's making us depressed and instead turn with hope and trust and think about God and think about what He's done for us. You've got those two choices. You can turn to God and find His kindness and His mercy or you can just keep focus on your junk. By the way, the word for mercy here is what it it means because sometimes we we equate mercy in the Bible always to being referred to salvation. Here in this instance, it's not necessarily talking about salvation. When it says his mercies are new every morning, the word for mercies here in the Hebrew means kindness. The kindness of God is new every morning. Man, aren't you glad that's true? Might not be true of other people the way they treat you. Or the circumstances, the way your circumstances in life may fall your way. But the mercies of God. Sometimes it means reproof. Now you might not like it, I might not like it. Do you realize God correcting us is a mercy of God too? Because sometimes the very best thing he can do is say, you screwed up. That's a wrong choice for your life. And I'm going to stand in front of you and tell you it's a wrong choice. Sometimes it's the best thing God can do for us talks about having God's favor, God's love and kindness. The root word that it's built from in the Hebrew means to bow the neck and courtesy to an equal, to be kind. Man, what a picture of God bringing mercy, kindness, love into our circumstances. It it gives us the picture of God himself that's the holy, holy, holy God of all the universe bowing his neck to help us. Man, what a picture of mercy. That's step number one. Step number one, if you need new mercy in your life, is simply to realize that you need it. Be honest enough to admit that you're in a bad situation. Be honest with your emotions, how you're feeling. Be honest with the fact that you're actually depressed because of what you're going through. That's what Jeremiah does. But the second step is this. The second step is you need new mercy in your life because of the circumstances, your choices, or whatever it is you're facing. Step number two is after you realize that you need mercy, you need to remember where mercy can be found. Where do you go to get that love and kindness? Where do you go to get what will get you through the next day? Who do you go to to get you beyond whatever it is you're facing in your life? See, some people make wrong choices. Some people think, well, I'll get over the circumstances in my life with a bottle of pills. Or it'll help me get beyond my circumstances if I can get to the bottom of the bottle. Or I can feel better about myself if I just, you know, indulge somehow, whether it be overeating or shopping or some illicit sexual relationship or whatever the case is. A lot of people think that they'll get feeling better about their life and find some, you know, loving kindness in their life by worldly pursuits. Jeremiah tells us where we can find mercy. But this I call to mind. He's remembering a bunch of other junk. We just read about it. And in the midst of remembering all that, he says, but 
This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Irregardless of all that I'm facing, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Jeremiah says, if you want to find new mercy for your life, here's where you find it. God. And remembering what God has done for your life. Now, having said that, we're going to break that down a little bit. And I want you to see some things that are in those verses that we just read that ought to help us as we realize that we need new mercy, that we need God's love and kindness, that we're depressed and discouraged, and we're trying to find a way to get beyond it. I want you to notice these things that were in the verse that we read a moment ago. First of all, It'll help me get beyond whatever I'm facing if I'll remember mercy and have hope. What he's about to say is mercy. Right here he doesn't mention mercy, but he says, but this I call to mind. And now he's going to talk about mercy in just a moment. If I want to have mercy for whatever I'm facing, have the chance to get beyond the junk that's afflicting my life, I need to remember mercy. I need to call this to mind and therefore have hope. The word for call literally means to turn back. Uh, generally, it kind of means to, to retreat, uh, you know, and, and it means again, like you're, you're retreating again. And, and the word there for our mind in the Hebrew really kind of talked about your emotions, your, your heart. You, it talked about your will, your intellect, really the center of, of anything is, is the way the word means. So it's almost like the very, the very center of who you are. So what we need to do, it gives me this image, it gives me this picture. When we're facing depression, when we're going through difficulties in life, circumstances in life, maybe your city's being burnt down or it seems like it's being burnt down. Maybe it seems like everything around you is sinking and going down the tubes. Jeremiah says, I will call to mind. I'm going to turn back again. Kind of gives this picture. Whatever it is that's making you depressed, Whatever it is that's pulling you down, whatever it is, whether it's your own choices or what other people are doing to you, the circumstances you're facing in life, whatever that is, what you need to do is turn away from that. And you need to retreat again to God. Now, retreat again to God implies this. You have to know Him to start with. Amen? You've retreated to Him already in your life. You've come to Him already by faith in Christ, and you are in a relationship with the Holy God of all the universe. You know what it is to retreat to God, but now you're facing circumstances in your life. By the way, just because you are a Christian doesn't mean junk won't hit your life. Amen? Health and wealth crowd will tell you, if you're right with God, you'll have all the money, all the health, everything will be a rose garden. Jeremiah was a faithful prophet for God for 40 years, and he felt like his life was filled with junk. Other heroes of the faith that we see in the Bible, it wasn't their experience because they were right with God. Everything was fine. Paul, according to tradition, it wound up causing him, after he was put in prison, on and off, on and off, on and off, to get his head chopped off because of his faith. Peter, crucified upside down. Time and time again, you see those who knew God without any doubt, and yet they still faced a ton of junk in their lives. So just because you know the Lord doesn't mean you won't face a ton of junk in your life, but it does mean this. It means you can turn away from whatever your focus is on the junk, on the problems, and you can come over here and you can retreat again to God. You can flee to Him and expect Him to move. You can call to mind, and as a result of looking away from your junk and looking to God, you can have hope. And the word for hope literally means to wait. It implies being patient. Hoping and trusting that God's going to move, that God's going to do something. And you retreat to Him and you depend upon Him no matter what it is that you're facing. Because you believe that God is the one and the only one that can get you through the depression. Get you through the emotional junk that you're going through in your life. Get you through the circumstances that you're facing in your life. If you want new mercy in your life, you need to remember mercy and have hope. You also need to remember the basis of mercy. I mean, what, what's the basis of it? 
where do you find mercy? I've already told you you don't find it in worldly pursuits. You're not going to find it in the bottle. You're not going to find it in pills. You're not going to find it in chasing after worldly pursuits. That's not where you're going to get real mercy in your life. The only thing that's going to do is give you more guilt. More junk you have to deal with. If you want to find some mercy, some loving kindness to get you through what you're facing, you need to remember the basis for mercy. And this is what Jeremiah said. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That's the basis of mercy. That's the foundation of going into a next day no matter what you're facing. That's the foundation of His mercy being new no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what you're facing. Steadfast love or compassion, some translations say literally means compassion. It's in the plural. I like that. By extension, in other words, the way the word was used also means this. It was also used describing this word in the Hebrew that's used here for steadfast love or compassion was used for the womb of a woman cherishing the baby. It was also used referring to to fondle, talking about you know uh, a, a love or caressing and 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 holding on to the person that they love. Man, what a picture of the love of God! You want something to help get you through the junk that you're facing in life, the depression that you're facing in life. Get this picture: the love of God is so concerned about you. It's just like that environment where the baby is protected and nourished and grows that's how concerned god is for you that's how much compassion he has for you whenever you're thinking no one cares and look at all the junk i'm facing in my life you need to remember something as far as god's concerned he's got the compassion of a mother having that baby inside of her and that's how god cares for you the same type of love and concern of, of a lover someone holding on to this person that they love and, and, and holding this person and cherishing them that's the way God loves you but here's the deal with this that changes sometimes doesn't it you ever had someone you thought loved you and then you find out they didn't here it says the steadfast love or the compassion of God never ever ceases always there never comes to an end never finished never ceases never perishes never completed it's what the word means never consumed or destroyed never done or expired never faints the steadfast love of god is there and we need to remember the mercy of god is like that in our in our lives and if god's love never ceases that means the third thing I want you to get right here is this. You need to remember the availability of mercy. If his love never ceases, that means it's always available. Jeremiah goes on and he writes these words. His mercies, the mercies of God, the love of God, the compassion of God, his mercies, his love and kindness never come to an end. They are new every morning. God's mercy is available to you. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever's pulling you down, making you depressed, making you feel like you're chewing on gravel, all the things that Jeremiah said, his mercy, his love, his kindness is available. So much so that he kind of says it two ways. It's available, first of all, in that there's an inexhaustible supply. You ever seen something advertised? in the newspaper, on TV or whatever, and you look like, man, that's a really good deal, that's a good price, and you kind of rush off to the store or wherever it was at, and you get there and you find out somebody else beat you to it. There's a rush on it because everybody else thought it was a good deal, so they took off and they go and they buy it, and you get there, and it's not to be found, it's not available for you. Can I tell you something? That will never, ever happen with the mercy of God. Because he's got an inexhaustible supply. His mercies never come to an end. His love and kindness that we talked about earlier, that beauty from God, that favor from God, 
God bowing his neck toward us as in courtesy to us. Him loving us, sometimes even reproving us, and that's a form of love. Never comes to an end. It's never completed. There's an exhaustible supply of the mercy and the love of God. You'll never come to God and find out he's empty. Not only is it an inexhaustible supply, it's also a daily supply. Jeremiah writes about the mercies of God, and he says they're new every morning. I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I've heard that this passage for years and years, and people use it you know, a lot, and a lot of times people just take it and apply it to salvation because we think of that in terms of mercy and, and grace. And I told you earlier, that's not really the way the word is being used here necessarily. It's being used in a way that Jeremiah writes because of all his junk, all of his circumstances. See, you'll learn a whole lot about what the Bible really says if you'll just read it in context. <laughs> and that means if you'll read everything that's said right before it. Right before this, Jeremiah is saying, my life's in the pits, more or less. He said, I feel like all these things that he listed there. This is where I am. This is what I feel like in my life. But he says, irregardless of that, I know that God's mercies are new every morning. Thank God for mercy that God extends to us that is connected with salvation, where God does not give us what we deserve, which is hell. Amen? That's the mercy of God. Thank God for His grace to where He gives us what we don't deserve, and that's through Christ and faith in Him. We're birthed into the family of God. Thank God for those things. But you know what? Also, thank God that I can get up tomorrow morning, no matter what happens to me today, and understand tomorrow morning there's a God that still loves me. And the next day, there's a God that still loves me. And the next day, there's a God that still loves me. And the next day, next week, next year, whatever, I can realize the tender mercy and the love of God is new every morning. It's fresh. It's available. It's there. It, it even means to rebuild or renew. Some things you uh, go buy at the market have to be kind of brought in daily, you know? in order for them to be fresh. Especially like maybe a produce department and, you know, things like that. That stuff can perish pretty quick. So, you know, they've got, you know, you can, you, you can ask Tracy. Tracy's on leave because of his surgery right now, but y'all got trucks coming in all the time, right, Tracy? My, my son Jared, and, you know, works up at Fairview. My, my, son, my son-in-law, uh, Matt, works up there. If you've ever worked at a place like that, you understand their, their trucks coming in all the time. You don't know why? Because they, they need this daily supply coming in. But every now and then, something might could happen. The truck might could break down. There might could be bad weather or something like that. It might hinder the truck arriving with the items there. But guess what? God's truck of mercy, his train of mercy, whatever it is, it's never slowed down. It's never stopped. It's always there. A daily supply of the mercy of God, new every morning. The root word there means to plow or break through. In other words, no matter what you're facing in your life, the mercy that you need can break through. God's mercy can plow through the circumstances, can break through the circumstances. His mercy's available every morning. If you want to get some help with depression and problems and emotional junk in your life, you need to be honest enough to say, look, I'm... I'm in this circumstance. I, my emotions are like I've been poisoned. I, I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I, I feel like my soul's bowed down. All those things are things that, that Jeremiah said. But you need to make a step beyond that. And you need to remember where mercy can be found. Remember mercy and have hope. Remember the basis of mercy is, is that it is God's love and kindness. And, and the availability of mercy, it's inexhaustible. It's a daily supply that's, that's there for you. But... Lastly, you need to do this. You need to remember the person of mercy. You need to remember who it is and think about who it is that brings this mercy to you. And that's what Jeremiah says here in the last part of the text that we're looking at this morning. You've got this depressed, beaten down, discouraged, whining maybe, crying prophet. Writing a book that's like it's filled with funeral poems. That's how bad he feels. 
He's depressed because of what's happening in his nation. He's depressed because of what's happening in his own life. And yet he starts to think about God and he says, Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I'll hope in him. You see three things that he says there about God. First of all, great is his faithfulness. God's faithfulness is great. The word great, um, just to kind of boil it all down, means to heap it up. Means to cast together. You, it just keeps piling up and piling up. Great, an abundant amount in, in quantity, size, age, number, whatever it is. You know, they're multiplying beyond number is really what the root word means. That's how God's faithfulness is. You can't even begin to figure out or come to an end of how faithful God is. Great is God's faithfulness. Literally, the word faithfulness means firmness or security. The root word means established or trusty or trustworthy. It also has an additional root word that means to build or support, to foster as a parent or a, or a nurse, to render firm or faithful, to be permanent. Jeremiah said, I feel like everything's just going down the tubes. I feel like I'm sinking, I'm depressed, and everything else going on in my life, that's how I'm feeling. But he stops and he thinks about the faithfulness of God, and he realizes even though it seems like he's going down and everything else is sinking, he understands he has a faithful place he can stand, a firm foundation he can stand, and that is upon God himself. Upon his relationship with God, everything else might be going down. But he says, I understand. I have a firm place, a secure place I can stand. I have a God that's trustworthy. Everything else might let me down. An enemy might come in and take over my country. An enemy might burn down my city. People around me that I'm trying to help might reject me and hate me. That's what Jeremiah was facing in his own life. But he's saying, I still know that there is a faithful God, a firm place that I can stand. He will support me just like a loving parent or like a nurse trying to foster a child, care for a child. He said, God will do that for me. Not only is God's faithfulness great, secondly, Jeremiah says, he's my portion. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. If you, if you need something, <laughs> if, if you are in bad circumstances and you're trying to find something to help get you through, what better portion than having the Lord because the word literally means Lord in the Hebrew, the self-existent, the eternal Jehovah God. See, anything else we bank on for support can be gone. Your bank account, your job, your friends. Everything else can go down the tubes. The only one that's always there is God. He said, he's my portion. And that word portion literally means smoothness of the tongue. And I think maybe there's giving us this idea of, of, of something that, you know, that, you're, that you're tasting, that you're eating. And man, it's just, it's just right. You know, it's just right. It tastes just right. It's just smooth right there on your tongue. And that's how God is. If we'll let God be our portion, He's exactly what we need. Exactly what I need to taste. When I'm depressed, when I'm in an emotional mess, like Jeremiah was, when circumstances all around me look terrible, like his life did in that moment of time, you know what I need? I need to taste God. I need to understand He's my portion. He's exactly what I need. Tastes just right, smooth right there on my tongue. He's the one that I, that I need. And Jeremiah said, says, my soul, and, and the word that he uses for says here means to say as big as you can say it, as great as you can say it. He's saying that I believe God is my portion. To say with a great latitude, not only is he our portion, but he's also our hope. Jeremiah says there's therefore, I will hope in him. I'll hope in him. We saw the word earlier. It means to wait. It means to be patient. It means to hope. It means to trust. No matter what you're facing, God might not have shown up yet, but God's there. If you know him, if you have a relationship with him, everybody else might be turning their back on you, walking away. Your circumstances may be so bad, you're just in a fit of depression. 
But if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, what you and I need to do is we need to wait and be patient and trust in Him, to Him, toward Him, at, in Him, until, in other words, until it's all over with, all the junk, everything that we're facing, until it's gone. For the purpose of belonging to, with respect to, because I belong to Him, He's bought me with His shed blood, because of who He is, in respect to who He is, recognizing who He is, I'm going to have hope, no matter how difficult my circumstances are. Isaiah said this, But they who wait, it's what we just talked about, what it means to hope. But they who wait for the Lord shall sit around depressed, shall be whining and crying because the enemy come in and burn the city, going to go on a pity party because the people around them won't listen to them and rejected them and treated them wrong. What does it say? It says that well, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, not stay down in your junk, not stay down in your depression. They shall run and not be weary. They shall think, they shall walk and not faint. That needs to be the way we look at life as Christians. I don't know your heart. I don't know your life fully. You know, I know some of the things that some of you may be going through. Some of you, I don't have any idea. Some of you, I don't even know. But I do know that God knows. And God laid this series on my heart for some reason. He laid this specific message on my heart for some reason. So there's, I dare say there's somebody here today that's a little bit depressed, that's a little bit discouraged. That you feel a lot like Jeremiah. You're chewing on a bunch of gravel. You feel like you've been rejected maybe by people around you. Maybe people have been making fun of you, whatever the case is. That's where Jeremiah was in his life. So two things. Number one, do you need new mercy? Do you need new mercy? You have to be honest about that one. Right now, if you know that you've got some tough situations in your life, you need to be honest about it. Bring it to God. Right now, if, if you're just facing a lot of emotional baggage and junk in your life, Jeremiah, that's where he was. So I feel like I've got this poison in my belly. You need to be honest with God about it. Right now, if you're depressed in your life for some reason, you need to be honest with God about it because he said, I, I feel like I'm bowed down in, in ashes and my, my soul is just bowed, bowed down, depressed. You need to be honest with God. That's the first step. Second step is that you need to move from there after you admit this is where I am. And you need to realize where that mercy, that hope, can be found. Not in worldly pursuits, but it can be found in a relationship with God. If you don't know Christ as your Savior this morning, in just a minute, the band's going to come and play. And the only chance you have of stepping out of your junk and having a firm foundation to stand on Having God to be that firm foundation. Understanding that He loves you. Understanding you've got new mercy every day in your life. Is by you admitting that you're a sinner. That you can't save yourself. And admitting that Jesus. Understanding that Jesus died on the cross for you. And it's through what Jesus did and nothing else. And through faith in Him that you can have everlasting life. Jesus did not say on the cross it's almost done. Jesus yelled on the cross it is finished. He did everything necessary for you to have salvation. If you don't have that this morning, that's your first step. If you do have it, thank God for it. But just because you have it does not mean that you'll not face junk in your life, that you'll not be in emotional distress and pain. It doesn't mean that you'll never be depressed and discouraged. 
Jeremiah, a faithful prophet of God, that's exactly where he was. And that's what he's writing about. But thank God, in the midst of all of his pain, he stopped and he said, But I will call to mind the steadfast love and the mercy of God that they never cease, that they're new every morning. That's where you can find mercy in your life. That's where you can find what will help you take the next step and the next step and the next step in your life by having, by having hope in God. Unbelief causes this. Unbelief causes us to look at God through our circumstances. That's what unbelief does. It causes us to look at God through our circumstances, and that creates hopelessness. But faith enables us to look at our circumstances through the reality of God. Do you see the difference there? And by looking at our circumstances through God, Him being the reality that we look through, that can, can give us hope. Warren Wiersbe, who's a, a pastor and a, uh, also a you know, Bible uh, uh, scholar, he uh, taught at Moody Bible Institute, pastor of Moody uh, Church, uh, Bible Church years ago, uh, wrote the B-series. Some of you may have uh, bought his books before and Bible studies before, and, and, and things like that. Um, I've not, I've not preached my family out, by the way. They're not leaving because of me. Uh, thank God my, my youngest uh, nephew, Becky's uh, sister's son, is getting baptized this morning at 11 o'clock in Wilkes. So she's heading over there uh, and all for that. Uh, but what... What unbelief does to us is, is cause us to have hopelessness. But Warren Wearsby that I was talking about a moment ago that they wrote all the B-series, he, he also had a radio program. And one time he had a radio listener send him uh, kind of like a little, little poem, little rhyme. And Warren Wearsby said it encouraged him again and again and again in his life to read it. Here's what the little rhyme said. Look at yourself and you'll be depressed. You agree with that? Hmm? If you don't agree with that, you're not being honest. You're still thinking, I'm going to pull up myself on my own bootstraps. I've got news for you. Your bootstraps are broken. Look at your circumstances and you're going to be distressed. But look at the Lord and you'll be blessed. Amen. I'm going to close by reading some verses on one of my favorite psalms. Some of you heard me talk about before my grandmother in a New Testament that's in my possession that belongs to me now had written a date out beside of this psalm. And when I looked at the date and I looked in the front of that New Testament, I realized the date that she had written beside the psalm was earlier than the date that she received this New Testament. So I thought, well, why, why did she write that? Because she's writing a date that occurred before she ever got the New Testament. So I started looking into it, and I found out that was the day that my grandfather died of a stroke. And beside Psalm 46, my grandmother wrote that date, which to me communicates to me that she found this to be true in her life. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives away. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though the waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then at the end of that same psalm. Be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, our refuge. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we come before you right now. And God, just admitting to you how hard life can be. 
Lord, if there's someone here in this place this morning that does not have hope right now because they do not know Christ as their Savior, I pray that you'll show them that right now they can have hope, they can have a place to stand, a foundation for life. Help them, help them to look away from their circumstances and look to you by faith and realize that you sent your son because you love them so much to die on the cross and pay for their sins so that through him they can have everlasting life. Father, for those of us that know you, help us to never feel like that these invitation times are just for the lost, that they're not for us. Because even though we have a new song to sing and a new life that you've given us, we need new mercy in our lives. God, sometimes we need new mercy because of our own choices and our own circumstances. Because of sin that we've chosen and we've brought things upon ourselves. Or sometimes we need new mercy because of things that other people have done. Because of external forces, because of situations and, and conditions in our lives. Father, sometimes it's really easy for us to get bitter and depressed and discouraged. But Father, right now, for those that feel like they are depressed and discouraged, I pray right now you'd help them to do what Jeremiah did. To look away from their discouragement, to look away from whatever it is that's causing their depression and their emotional distress, and help them to remember right now to call to mind the steadfast love that you exhibited for us by sending your son to die on the cross. God, help us to remember that your mercy, your tender loving kindness is new every morning and can break through whatever circumstances that we face. Father, help us to be honest and admit that we need your mercy, your loving kindness. Help us to understand that it's available inexhaustible, daily supply, ready for us right now. Help believers right now to be honest. Father, some need to come and kneel here at the front and ask for help and ask for mercy and whatever it is they're facing. God, just help them to do that and help them to come and, and trust in you. Or not for salvation, they've already done that as a believer. Help them to come and trust in you as their foundation in life, is that new mercy that's available for them every day to get them through whatever the circumstances are they're facing. And Father, to someone that doesn't know you, give them the faith they need to come and say yes to Christ. We thank you that you're a firm foundation. We thank you that you're a fortress, that you're our refuge. We thank you we can find mercy in you. For every day and every circumstance in our life. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Jill sings, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, quit trying to do it yourself because you can't. None of us can. Why not come to a place that you can find mercy and hope, salvation? For all eternity by trusting in Christ as your Savior. And if you've done that, doesn't mean you don't need new mercy. We're all human. I'm human. I've told you a lot of times, don't ever stick me up on a pedestal because I'll fall off pretty quick. And I need new mercy every day just like you do. Sometimes it's because of my choices. Sometimes it's because of external situations. But sometimes I just need to know that God's there every day that I get up. And I can take the next step in my life because of Him. So you're someone that says you know Christ the Savior. I'm glad. But just maybe today, some of you are carrying some stuff you need to bring to this altar. Come and pray and say, God, I'm, I'm laying it before you. I need some mercy right now because of some circumstances, some situations, some discouragement, some depression, some things in my life.
Will you please be obedient to God and do that if he asks you to come? Please stand. God speaks to your heart. We invite you to come. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Dathan Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.